Amen. Let's give it up for Kiana. Thank you, Kiana. Great job. Uh, well, very good morning to you. Uh, pumped to be with you and open up God's Word. I uh, would love for you to grab a Bible and open it up to that passage, uh, Psalm chapter 19. If you're new to the Bible and you're joining us, let me just say, man, we're really glad that you're here. We love it, it, we love to have people that are exploring the Christian faith uh, gather with us. So if you're new and you're like, man, I don't know what Psalm 19 is, you can grab one of those uh, Bibles out of the chair back in front of you, open it up to page 480, find the big number 19, and you'll be right where we are going to dive and track through this morning, all right? Cool. Well, before we dive in, I, uh, I want to put a couple things on your radar. As you know, this is week three of what we're calling the Year of the Bible, where we as a church corporately, but also hopefully individually as well, are just going, man, we want to take our Bibles really, really seriously. We want to become people who love the Bible because the Bible is the Word of God. It is the primary place that God speaks to us. We are just leaning in with everything that we have to prioritize the Bible, the Word of God in all of life in 2022. Now, here's what I, uh, here's, but here's what I know as we do that and as we've kicked this off over the last couple of weeks. For a lot of people, that can feel really intimidating. The Bible feels really um, uh, complex and convoluted and hard to understand. So because of that, as a church, we want to do a really good job of resourcing you and equipping you to be good readers of the Bible, knowing that some of you are going to be tracking through your Bible reading, maybe for the very first time. Others of you have tried this a hundred times and failed because you're just kind of like, it's just hard. And so we want to resource you and equip you um, to be really good readers of the Bible. So I just want to highlight a couple of ways we're doing that, and then we'll dive into our teaching. The first way is we've created a web page or a landing page for all things Year of the Bible. It's, uh, you can just go to theheightsdenver.com backslash Bible, and that's going to be a landing page where you can go to throughout the year. There are going to be resources there. Our, our church-wide reading plan is on there, so you can dive into our reading plan. We're going to have teachings on there, videos on Bible reading, everything, I'm, in fact, everything I'm going to teach today where, and how to read the Bible. We're going to be resourcing you on how to do that in an ongoing way. So what I'm trying to tell you is go to theheightsdenver.com backslash Bible, okay? It's going to help you uh, read your Bible. Another way we're doing that is, um, you know, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, you know that we've put out this reading plan where, as a church, we're reading through the vast majority of the New Testament, we're reading through the Psalms a couple of times, just building this habit of daily Bible reading. And one of the things we know is, as we do that, or maybe as you've been doing that, it's really easy to get lost. Uh, it's like, what am I reading? What's going on? So you can, we, we've made it available where you can sign up on that website uh, to receive an email every Wednesday that's going to resource you on the reading from that week, okay? And some of you got that very first email this last Wednesday. So if you go to the website that I just talked about, you can sign up to receive that email, and there's going to be videos on what you're reading that week. There's going to be commentaries you can read on what you're reading that week. There's going to be more here journaling, which is one of the things I'm going to be teaching on. So go, go there and sign up for that, because we want to resource you, not only like one time, but throughout the year weekly on what you're reading, and that follows our, uh, our annual reading plan. Now let me, just, let me just talk about the reading plan for a second. Um, if you've started and failed, grace to you. Jump back in tomorrow morning, okay? Grace to you. Jump back in uh, tomorrow morning. If you haven't gotten on the reading plan, I want to encourage you to do that. You can find that on the website. We're reading through the vast majority of the New Testament. And if you're trying to do another reading plan, stop and get on our reading plan. 
okay? Uh, so here's why. Here's why I say that. That, that, kinda, that, that, that was kind of to be funny, but also I, we were trying to create a culture in the life of our church where we're all just tracking through the same thing, where I can come to you. This morning we were all in Psalm 14 where we can like gather together and be like, man, what did you see in Psalm 14 this morning? I saw this in Psalm 14 where we're all in community group. We're reading the same thing onto that reading plan. It's really doable. It's easy. It's not like Bible in a year. So there's resources, okay? Resources, resources. All right, you guys ready to dive in? All right, let's, let's dive in uh, to our teaching today. Now, today I want to um, do my best to try to knock down one of the biggest barriers I can think of to us engaging our Bibles regularly. One of the things that a lot of people feel, and I certainly feel this at times, is like, yeah, but if I'm honest, I just feel like I'm kind of bored by my Bible you know? Um, and underneath uh, the boredom barrier are feelings like this. It's like, man, I'd love to read the Bible, but every time I read my Bible, I just honestly get kind of confused, and, uh, and I don't really know what's going on. Uh, every time I read my Bible, it just feels like this long story that I'm diving in the middle of, and I don't really do it on my own. Um, under that, there are things like, there are things like this, or things you feel like this, where you might like have tried over the last couple of weeks to dive into this reading plan, and one of the things you kind of imagine is that whenever you open your Bible, you're going to have some sort of like mystical experience with God, and then you read it, and you're just kind of like, so that's it? <laughs> you know, and you're like, I thought that I was opening up a portal to heaven, and like, it just kind of feels boring you know? Um, or, you, or you've tried over and over and over again to build this habit of engaging the Word of God, the Bible, and you've just failed, and you're just like, man, I just can't do it. All of those things uh, under the boredom barrier, we just kind of feel bored by our Bibles. Another thing, I'll just mention this too, uh, another thing under the boredom barrier that I, that, I, that I really think we should talk about is like a lot of times we read our Bibles, and we've got all this stuff going on in our lives, and we're just like, man, I thought that this was going to be applicable to my life, but I'm just like, I kind of got to go to work, you know, and, and stop this because I don't see anything applicable in here. We're just kind of, and if you don't get anything applicable, it's just kind of boring, right? Um, now, I think there are a lot of reasons that people are bored with their Bibles, and we could talk about a bunch of different reasons, but for simplicity's sake, I think one of the main reasons we are bored with our Bibles is because most of us have never been taught how to read them well, you know? And, um, and this can, there can be cycles of shame around this, especially if you've been in the church for a long time because you kind of feel like, I should know my Bible better than I do. And you get in a group of people and you don't really feel comfortable like saying, I don't know my Bible very well because I grew up in the church. And, you know, there are cycles of shame with this. We just, but if we're really honest and we want this place to be a place of safety and honesty and your groups to be a place of safety and honesty, we just go, man, I, a lot of us have never been taught to read our Bibles well. But even more, and kind of more specifically, I think a lot of us are bored with our Bibles because a lot of us have never been taught how to bridge the gap from the world of the Bible over here to the world that we inhabit in our real everyday lives in 2022. We've just never been taught how to bridge that gap. Now, um, to, to start to talk about this, I want to <laughs> kind of demystify something for you, Okay. I want to demystify something for you, and it's really the thing that I'm doing up here. John Stott, uh, any, anybody know John Stott? Um, famous, yeah, a couple John Stott fans. Yeah, I love it. John Stott was a famous uh, British preacher in the 20th century, very, very famous, one of the best preachers uh, who has ever lived, and he wrote a book 
on preaching called Between Two Worlds. Between Two Worlds. Now, this book is so, like, prolific. It's one of those things that if you're doing what I'm doing right now and you haven't read Between Two Worlds, it's like, sit down, bud, kind of thing. You know, it's like that prolific of a preaching book. And in the book, the basic thesis of the whole thing is that if you want to be an effective teacher of God's word, all you have to do is learn to build a bridge, this is why it's called Between Two Worlds, from the world of the Bible to the world that your listener, you guys for an example, the world your listener inhabits in their everyday life. So here's how this works. If you've ever been like sitting where you're sitting right now and you've heard a Bible teaching or a sermon and you've thought, wow, that's like really good. That like really applies. I'm going to take that and that's going to change the way that I live. All that person did was effectively build a bridge from the world of the Bible to the world that you inhabit in 2022. That's it. Now today, what I want to do is I want to put a really, really powerful tool in your hands and I want to show you how to do that. Now this is a dangerous thing if you're me because I'm I'm effectively saying, I just want to teach you to do what I do, okay, so that you can read the Bible for change and experience the voice of God in your everyday life, where you read your Bible and you begin to hear from God so that it impacts and changes the way you live in everyday life. That's all I want to do today. Okay, so to do that, I want to do two things. Uh, First, I want to show you seven things that God wants to do in your life through your habit of daily Bible reading. So I want to create a little hunger in you for your Bible and for community group and for gathering here as we open the Bible together. I want to show you seven things that God wants to do in your life through your habit of daily Bible reading, and we'll run through those fairly quickly. And then I want to kind of like, I want to go, okay, we're looking at those seven things. Now, how do we really practically access those seven things? How do we see those things unfold in our lives as we engage our Bible? So first thing, seven things God wants to do in your life through your habit of daily Bible reading. Let's talk Psalm 19. Let's dig into Psalm 19 together. The main point of, of this Psalm, Psalm 19, is this really cool idea that most of us have a hard time believing. Here it is, that God is not trying to play hide and seek with you. Uh, he's not. Uh, God is not trying to hide from you. God is not trying to be tricky with you. He's not trying to be super mysterious with you, though there is mystery to God. That's a tension I want to walk in. He's not trying to play hide and seek with you. The main point of Psalm 19 is that, in fact, God has gone to great lengths, huge lengths, in order to make himself known to you, okay? He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience life with him. He wants to speak to you. And in Psalm 19, we see two of the ways that he has done this, two of the ways that he has done this. Let me give you a couple of heady theology words because we want to be uh, good theologians in here. Psalm 19 talks about two kinds of ways God reveals himself. It talks about general revelation and special revelation. Some of you have heard these words before, general revelation and special revelation. These are two ways that God reveals himself to us human beings. Now, just a word of clarity. When I say the word revelation, I am not talking about the last book of your Bible, okay? I'm not talking about the book of revelation. I'm talking about the theology word revelation, that God is a revealing God, that he loves to reveal himself to humanity. Um, And um, the first way he does this is through what we call general revelation. In verses 1 through 6, the writer, a guy named David, talks about how God has revealed himself generally 
through creation. So let me, so let me give you uh, some examples of this from verses 1 and 2. Pay attention to the language in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 19. It says this. This is general revelation. The heavens, so the sky, the heavens declare the glory of God. So pay attention to how it's talking about how the sky is speaking. God's creation is speaking. It's declaring something. And the expanse, the bigness of the sky, proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. So creation is talking. That's the point of the first couple of verses. Creation is talking. You pay attention to words like declare, proclaim, pour out speech, communicate knowledge. And the point is that creation itself bears witness to the general existence of a creator God. So I'll, so I'll give you an example of how you've experienced this if you're, if you're anything like me. If, if you don't like to ski, just sub out like the beach, okay? Um, but uh, just, just imagine yourself, uh, incredible ski day. It dumped... 13 and a half inches of snow the night before, but it's a bluebird day, mysteriously. You're like, wow, this is amazing. You go to, I love the back bowls of veil, so I go up the lift, I get into the back bowls of veil, I'm just slaying it. You guys know how this is. I'm just loving life. There's no one else out there. There's not a soul out there. That's the best kind of ski day. And I'm just cruising. And one of the things I like to do is like, I like to kind of, if I'm by myself, I like to stop and just sit. And just kind of like be out there. I love doing that whenever I'm skiing. And it's like whenever you get in that situation, you're just alone and it's really quiet. And you see like the beauty of the, uh, of the bluebird day. And you see how big the mountains are. And you just feel like a small little creature. There's this thing that you experience where you're like, man, like the best explanation for the bigness and the beauty of this is a creator. Right? That's general revelation. Okay? Now, if you don't like to ski, sub out the beach or whatever little nature place that you like. Okay? Um, but you get the point. That's general revelation. But Psalm 19 doesn't stop there. It goes on to talk about another way that God reveals himself, and that is, what, that is through what theologians call special revelation. Special revelation. You will notice this transition, if you read through the psalm, from general to special in verse 7. So he talks about both. 1 through 6 are about general. Uh, 7 through the end are about special, where he goes from talking about things like the sky and the sun to, quote, the instruction of the Lord. And from 7 on, it's all about the instruction of the Lord. Now, I taught a series on this last year called A Better Story, where we talked about why, you know, why we believe the Bible is the Word of God and all of those things. And so go, go listen to that if you missed that series last year. But we believe that this instruction of the Lord, the special revelation that is given to us, is the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. Now, quick theology note here. We need, we need both kinds of revelation. These, these two kinds of revelation actually work together for us. Here's how. General revelation tells us that there is a God. Special revelation through the word of God, the Bible, tells us what that creator God is like and invites us into relationship with him. So through creation, we, can't, we can know that there is a creator. We cannot know what that creator's like outside of kind of like some general things like he's big and he likes beauty, for example. But through special revelation, we learn what that creator that created those mountains is like. We learn that he longs to know us and love us. Now, the main point of all of this is that God is a revealing God. He is not a hiding God. He wants you and me, he wants us to know what he is like. And he has gone to great lengths to extend his hand of friendship to you through the word of God, the Bible. 
Now, in Psalm 19, the writer lays out seven things that happen in our life when we engage his special revelation. So after verse 7, he begins to lean into special revelation, lean into what happens when we take our Bible seriously, and I just want to highlight seven things that will happen in your life. Now, a little peek behind the curtains into my brain of what I'm trying to do as I lay out these seven things. Now, my brain is kind of a scary place. It's a it's a frantic place sometimes, but I'm going to give you a little uh, peek into my brain. What I'm trying to do in these seven things is create a problem for you. Okay, I'm trying to create a problem for you, and then I want to solve the problem on the back end. Here's the problem. I'm trying to create a gap between what God says our experience of his word should be and what it often actually is. Okay, I'm trying to create a, a, that gap of like, God, you say I should experience these things when I engage your word, but a lot of times we don't experience those, and we're going to talk about, okay, why don't I experience those, and how do I experience them? So let's look through these seven things uh, pretty quickly, and I'm going to move through them very quickly, and then we're going to lean into, okay, how do I experience these seven things? Number one, God wants to make you new. Number one, God wants to make you new. Now, I'm getting ready to just walk verse by verse through this stuff. God wants to make you new. This is verse seven. It says this, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. God wants to make you new. Listen to me. I believe that God has incredible renewing work that he wants to do in your life. I believe that he has new things that he wants to create in you. And one of the primary ways we see that he does that is through the instruction of the Lord that is perfect through the Bible. In fact, you can see this all the way back in Genesis 1. This is just a little uh, Bible, Bible nerd side note. If you look at Genesis 1, the way that God creates new life is through his speech. If you just look at Genesis 1 over and over and over again, here's what I want you to say. Over and over and over again, it's going to repeat this. And God said, let there be light. And God said, animals. And God said, sun. And God said, moon. And God said, one of the... Actually, the primary way that God creates new life is through his speech. Do you know that that creator God has not changed? The way he will create new life in you is through his speech, through the instruction of the Lord. So let me just say something a little challenging and on the nose here. If you don't learn and I don't learn to let the word of God, the Bible, play a major role in your life, you are taking the primary renewing tool of the Lord out of his hands. You and I, if we do that, we're effectively cutting ourselves off from grace. God wants to make you new, and he does this through his word. Number two, God wants to give you wisdom. Second part of verse, uh, verse seven, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, so the, the Bible is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The choice here we have whenever we read this verse is through becoming a person of wisdom and living like a fool makes the inexperienced wise. When we open up God's word, we're open, opening up a portal to heaven for heavenly wisdom for life to come. The creator of life teaching us how life in his world is meant to be lived. So here's, the, here's where we bring this down to life. You need wisdom for life? Like real wisdom for life? You need wisdom for a job offer? You need wisdom for a big life transition. You need wisdom for a school choice. You need wisdom for a relationship. Open your Bible. God wants to give you wisdom from heaven. Number three, God wants to produce joy in you. This is verse eight. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. Your Bible will make you glad. 
He wants to produce joy in you. Contrary to what most people believe, God, the God of the Bible, is not a killjoy. He is the producer of joy. So here's a little question. Could it be that your joy tank feels like it's on empty because you've cut yourself off from the very words of the producer of joy? He wants to give you joy. Number four, God wants to give you sight. God wants to give you sight. This is the second part of verse eight. The command of the Lord is radiant. I was going to talk about your eyeballs. Making the eyes light up. Making the eyes light up. A lot of times, um, life can feel like you're just like walking forward blindly, right? It's like, I don't know what's around the corner. And one of the things God wants to do as we regularly engage his word, open it up on our own, in the gathering, in community groups together, is he wants to give you sight for life. Charismatic side of me, he wants to speak prophetic words into your life. He does. About like what's coming. Promises he's made to you. Number five, God wants to give you security. God wants to give you security. It's going to talk about money here, but what he's really talking about is security. Look at the second part of verse nine. It says this, the ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold. Now, we don't carry gold around, so just substitute wealth. They're more desirable. The Bible, the word of God, is more desirable than wealth than an abundance of pure gold. What he's saying is, the Bible, when you understand what it is, should be and will be more desirable to us than like Jeff Bezos' investment portfolio, right? That it's more desirable than all of the wealth in the world. So let's talk about money for a second. Don't get uncomfortable. You're going to be fine. Jesus talks more about money than heaven and hell combined. Let me say that again. Jesus himself in the gospels talks, this is a statistic that is true, more about money than heaven and hell combined. Now there are a lot of reasons for this, but one of the reasons is because money or gold in the words of the Old Testament gives us a false sense of future security. Money gives us a false sense of future security. If I have a lot of it, If my investment portfolio is amazing, then like my future is secure. That's kind of like the false sense of security that money gives. This is why right here it says that the scriptures are more desirable than all the money in the world. The scriptures are more desirable than Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk's investment portfolio. They're more desirable than that because through the scriptures we get what money falsely promises, a secure future through the leadership of the Lord. It's more desirable than this incredible investment portfolio. Now, I'll just tell you this, I'm wrestling with that one. I was studying that this morning, I was like, but really? You know, <laughs> that's like, but really? Uh, that's a tough one to believe. But it's there, more desirable uh, than gold. God wants to give you security. Number six, God wants to give you pleasure. God wants to give you pleasure. If God, some people feel, kind of freak out about that. I don't know. Uh, I think God's like harsh, you know, and hard. Um, but if God didn't want to give you uh, pleasure, man, he wouldn't have created sweet things like honey. I love like good. He wouldn't have tasted good things. This is awesome. Little apple background. Uh, love a good little apple background in the middle of my teaching. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're they're fixing it back there. So everybody, kind of tune in. Uh, God wants to give you pleasure, or uh, Steve Jobs' portfolio, or you know, any we could we could relate that to all the apple people. Um, God wants to give you pleasure. Verse ten. Verse ten. Um, uh, they are more desirable than gold, so we talked about that, than an abundance of pure gold. And now he talks about the experience of something sweet. He talks about pleasure. And they are sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. 
So here he talks about the pleasure of tasting something sweet. Now, um, I don't know if you know Sarah Hunt, but she's sitting right down here in the front. She has a, bee, she has a beehive, uh, and she's been making honey. I've been dominating her honey almost every morning in my oatmeal, okay? And it's amazing honey. Find her, buy her honey. Um, and, uh, but don't count on the wealth, Sarah, that that's going to produce. Um, so, uh, but... But, but what it's saying is like, as much as I love that honey and the sweet, the pleasure that that honey tastes, the word of God is more pleasurable than that. The scriptures are sweeter than that, more pleasurable. Now, don't, don't miss this in the last two. He names two of the greatest longings of the human heart. He, name, he names right here two of your greatest longings and my greatest longings. What are they? Security and pleasure. Security and pleasure. He's naming two of the longings we all have. I want security. I want pleasure. He names those, and then he tells us this little insider discipleship secret that hearing and obeying the scriptures makes us truly wealthy and gives us true pleasure. So he's saying. The cool thing here is that we don't have to waste our time with the lie that other things will make us feel secure and happy forever. Guys, this is just like, that's like insider baseball. That's insider trading. Number seven, this is the last one. God wants to protect you from intentional and unintentional stupidity. He wants to protect you from intentional and unintentional stupidity. I'll show you this in verses 11 through 13. It says this. In addition, your servant is warned by them. So God warns us through the scriptures. And in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Who perceives his unintentional sins? So some of us are doing really stupid and destructive things that we don't even know. And what God wants to do is God wants to talk to you about that and go, you don't want to go that way. That's it. Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Verse 13 talks about willful sins. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. So here's a little illustration. The word of God, when we're in it every day, when we're in it every week in our community group, when we're in it here in the gathering, it functions kind of like the guardrails on the road of life that keep you from making a wreck of your life. And what happens is if you take the word of God away and you drift away from the word of God, one of the, what that's like is like taking the, taking the guardrails off of the curvy roads of your life, taking away the sharp turn ahead sign out of the road of your life, and what that's going to do is it's going to cause a wreck. It's going to cause a wreck. God wants to protect you from intentional and unintentional stupidity. Now, what a list, right? What a list. Can we just put all seven of those back, there up, back up there on the screen? Would love to look at that. What a list. How amazing. I guess we only fit three on the screen, but that's fine. That's fine. God wants to make you new. God wants to give you wisdom. I'll just read them to you. God wants to give, give you wisdom. God wants to produce joy in you. God wants to give you sight. God wants to give you security. God wants to give you pleasure. God wants to protect you from intentional and unintentional stupidity so that we don't make a wreck of our lives. Like how awesome and kind is the God of the Bible? Like he's really kind, He's really kind. He wants to produce these things in you, and all we have to do is open up our Bibles. That's it. But here's where we come back to the problem. The problem is most of us, as we try to engage our Bibles, and maybe you've felt this over the last couple of weeks, we don't really feel those things. We don't really know, like, man, am I experiencing those things? I don't know. It's like I've never, maybe you feel like this, I've, I've never experienced anything like that as I've tried to read my Bible. Maybe you've tried and you've failed a thousand times to build the habit of daily Bible reading, and every time you just think, man, I don't feel joy, I feel bored. And that's okay. We want to be honest about it. That's okay. Maybe you feel bored with it. You're like, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel like I get protect- protection. I feel like I get guilt. Okay? That's okay if you feel that way. Let's be honest about it. Um, I don't feel security and pleasure. I, don't, I just feel like I need to shut my Bible and get to work so I can make some money. You know, It's okay if you feel like that. But the question is, man, like, 
How do we, we see the promises, how do we move from like kind of a, a dull experience of the word of God into all of these things? How do we move that way? How do we move that way? Well, back to the bridge. We access them by learning to build the bridge between the world of the Bible and the world we inhabit in our daily life in 2022. This is how we access them. So I want to introduce you or reintroduce you, some of you have heard this taught here at the Heights before, to what's called the HEAR method of Bible reading. The HEAR method of Bible reading. And this is really just a tool that helps us read the Bible to experience God's presence and experience God's voice, which leads to change in our real lives. What I'm, what I'm arguing, kind of the argument or thesis I'm putting out there to you is that if you will engage the HEAR method over a long period of time, um, you can begin to experience God's word the way Psalm 19 talks about it. That's it, okay? Um, so the goal of this tool, so let me just give you a little sticky statement for this. The goal of this tool is for us to move from just thinking, yeah, our Bible is the word of God, to the Bible becoming every day a word from God for me today, Okay? So we want to move like from just this theological position that most Christians hold that, yeah, the Bible's the word of God, I believe that it's the place that God speaks, to this thing where it's like, no, it's the place that God speaks to me and talks to me about what's going on in my, in my day and leads me and guides me and protects me. This is, this is what the HEAR method is for. So a little background on the method just so I can win you over to it a little bit. The HEAR method is an updated and adapted method of scripture reading and meditation called Lectio Divina. Have any of you ever practiced Lectio Divina? Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. We borrow it from our friends in the contemplative tradition of the Christian church. A lot of the monastics uh, have practiced uh, Lectio Divina over the years. Um, this, this method of scripture reading has, and meditation has been used by followers of Jesus for 1,400 years, 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 years. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that this method that I'm about to teach you is one of the most proven methods in church history for Christians reading their Bible and experiencing the voice of God. And so, now the reason I'm telling you this is because I think acronyms are lame, okay? And if, I'm, <laughs> and if I'm sitting out there and I'm about to hear me teach an acronym, I'm about to go, uh-uh, bud, okay? I'm a 32-year-old, don't give me an acronym, all right? Because uh, I kind of feel like I'm too good for it, if I'm honest. But what I want to tell you, but what I want to tell you is that this is one of the most proven uh, methods of Bible reading. And if you do this consistently and regularly over a long period of time, it really will change your whole life, okay? It really will. In fact, I just wanna like say this really boldly, guys. If we as a church will begin to read our Bibles every day and practice the here method of Bible reading, I believe it'll radically change our church and I believe it'll radically change our city. And so we're just going, man, we wanna step into this believing that God is going to begin to speak with us. I, I say that, um, by the way, uh, before, I, before I teach this, let me just say this. Um, if you're here and you're at all skeptical of the Christian faith, or you're wrestling with, and I'm saying this super genuinely, you're wrestling with a lot of doubt around the things of God and Jesus Christ, one of the best things you can do is read the New Testament. 
One of the best things you can do is just read the New Testament. One of the best things you can do is get this plan and begin to read for yourself. Because here's what I know. One of the things when I've wrestled with doubt and I've wrestled with, oh my gosh, do I believe this stuff? It's really easy to read a bunch of other stuff other than the Word of God, the Bible about what the New Testament is. It's really easy to li- watch YouTube videos and listen to podcasts about the Bible and about the Christian faith, but what, can I just challenge you a little bit? Why not read the primary source? Why not read the primary source? So if, if that's you, I would just say, man, if you're like, man, this isn't for me, I don't even believe this stuff, I would just say, try. 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 Um, so, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to quickly give you an overview of how it works. Um, it's not rocket science. You're going to pick it up like that. It's, it's very easy. I'm going to give you an overview of how it works. And then what we're going to do for part of our response time is we're just going to practice it together. We're just going to slow down, and we're actually going to do a hear journal together. That sound good? And we're going to practice this. And I'm going to show you that you can hear from God on your own. So uh, beginning uh, with the here method, if you want, uh, you, everybody got a card on the armrest, go ahead and hold that card up. We're going to come back to this and we're going we're gonna to use it here in just a few minutes to walk through the here method and practice it together. Um, what you want to do is you want to begin with a journal. So you want to get yourself a good journal. Um, we actually, so the here method is a journaling method. And the journal part of this method is really, really important. Here's the primary reason I think everybody should journal using the here method, because it will slow you down okay? It it forces you to, like, write things with a pen. I know we're living in, like, 1985 here, you know? We got to write things with a pen. It slows you down so that you don't just, like, boom, read the Bible and kind of move on with your life, but it makes us think about the Bible and meditate on the Bible as we slow down and write it. So what you want to do to to get started with the HEAR method is you just want to grab a a good journal. Um, We've got some uh, that you can buy down in the lobby. We're not making money on them. They're at cost, Uh, so grab one. If you don't have a good journal, grab one in the lobby right after church. Grab a journal, and then you're going to get a passage of Scripture, okay? The good thing is, if you jump in on the Heights reading plan, another plug, I keep plugging it, you've got it selected for you. You don't have to do, by the way, I don't think this is a good method, Holy Spirit, wind blow. There, this is my thing. Acts 15 today, that's not good. Don't do that. Um, Just use a method so that you work through it, like, over the course of time. So you get a journal. Um, you write H-E-A-R down the left margin of the journal, you select a passage, and then you're just going to begin to read the passage. I want to encourage you to read that passage slowly once or quickly twice. After you read the passage, um, what you're going to, um, well, before you read the passage, let me just highlight this. I, I want to encourage you, and we'll practice this in a second, to slow down and ask God to speak to you. Okay, so before you, before you read the passage and you dive into it and you get in a hurry, just slow down, write H-E-A-R down the left margin of your journal, slow down, ask God to speak. God, would you speak to me today as I get into your word? Then you're going to slowly read the passage once, or you're going to quickly read the passage twice, and then you're going to work down through H-E-A-R. H stands for highlight. What you're going to do out of that passage is you're going to highlight a verse, a word, or a phrase that stands out to you. Don't, don't overthink that. Don't be like, oh my gosh, I got to like get a, you know, get a mystical experience. Just be like, man, what, what stuck out to me today? In the words of Dallas Willard, who's a big Lectio Divina guy, big, you know, he, we're updating that. Uh, he says, what shimmered to you? What like caught your eye that day? And what you're going to do is you're going highla- to you're you're write that word or phrase or verse next to the H in your journal. You're just going to write it out. And this is a way of like slowing down and, and just meditating on the word of God as you write it out. E stands for explain. We want to be good readers and interpreters of our Bibles. So in your own words, you're just going to explain what the author is trying to say. 
Maybe you look at the context, what's going on in the context. Maybe you just try to rephrase the verse in your own words. We're just going to explain what the writer is trying to say. A stands for apply. Apply. You start to think about prayerfully where this verse or phrase intersects with your life. Why did that verse or why did that word or why did that phrase stand out to you? What might, here's a better way of asking it, a more like walking with the Holy Spirit way, what might God be saying to me from that for my life today? Why did he grab, why did he grab me with that, okay? Why did he grab me with that? You're gonna slowly meditate on it and think about it. What does this tell me about God that I can praise him for? Is there a command in this that I need to obey in my life? Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise from God to claim? Is there a sin that I've been living in to avoid? Is there a principle in scripture to follow? You're just gonna apply it to your life and you're gonna write that out there. And this, this could be one thing, this could be five things where you're kind of like going, this is where we're building the bridge, right? We're going, okay, what's going on in the world of the Bible? What's going on over here in my real life in 2022? And what might the God of the Bible in his word be saying to my life in 2022? This is apply. This is where we're building the bridge. And finally, R stands for respond. Respond to it in real life. What you're going to do is you're going to write out next to the R a an actual response, that you, something that you are going to do today from the reading of God's word that day. Jesus warns us in the Sermon on the Mount that it is really dangerous to be hearers of God's word and not doers of God's word. In other words, it's really dangerous to be people who read things and then not allow it to actually change the way we live in real life. So what we want to do is we want to take the H-E-A and in R, we're shoving it down into our real life saying, this is meant to change the way that I live all of today. And we're going, man, I want to change the way that I live. This might be, uh, for you, this might be a conversation you need to have. I can't tell you how many times I've been, like, rude to somebody one day, mainly Jonathan or my wife, and uh, the very next day in my Bible reading, it's talking about, like, having a reconciliation conversation. Like, that happens to, that kind of thing happens to me all the time. Maybe this is, like, maybe this is, for me, in the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about it, maybe this is money you need to give. I told you this a few weeks ago, that God talked to me about how I needed to practice generosity and be really bold in my personal generosity. God was, God's talked to me about that. It could be anything. Maybe this could be something you just need to believe and walk, and I need to walk in the confidence of God. This morning, I was in Psalm 14. It was our reading plan, and uh, my, my little phrase was, seek God. That was it. My phrase, Psalm 14, 2, seek God. And I was like, what I want to do is I want to seek you and entrust all of the things that I'm anxious about to you. That was my R. So R is just responding to God in real life. Here, that's it. 1,400 years of church history, all leading up to this moment so that you can read God's word and allow it to produce real change in your everyday life. Guys, it is not rocket science. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to begin to practice this every day as we work our way through the New Testament. And what you're going to find is like, man, day one might be tough. Day two through seven might be like, okay, I'm kind of getting this. And on day eight, God's just going to like show up and speak something really boldly to you. Like this is how it works. And so what I want to encourage you to do is just step in. Step in in faith, believing that what God promises in Psalm 19, he wants to produce in your real life. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to practice this together on a passage. For our response time today, we're going to spend a little bit of time just doing a here journal. So if you would, um, the band's going to start to play, and we're going to, we're just, and they're going to play a little bit of like ambient music behind us. And what we're going to do over the next five to eight minutes is 
we're just going to each do a little here journal on our own. And I'm going to lead us through just walking through a passage of scripture and practicing this, showing that you really can hear from God as you engage his word. So we've selected the passage for you. I want to encourage you to grab a physical Bible. would love for you to have a physical Bible. So if you don't have a physical Bible, grab the one out of the chair back in front of you. I think that just reduces distractions if you're not on your phone trying to read your Bible on a phone. If you grab one out of the chair back in front of you, I would love for you to open it to Matthew 11. And we're going to spend time in verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It's on page 865 of the Bible in the chair back in front of you. I love the sound of turning Bible pages. That's so good. That's so good. This is, this is the year of the Bible. That's what it's about. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. It's page 865 of the Bible in the chair back. So we're going to spend time just meditating on these three verses. You can grab this little card, and on the, on the front side of this card, it's an overview of the HEAR method, everything we talked about today, that's made to fit inside your Bible, uh, so that you can just take that and begin to practice it. But on the reverse side of that, you'll see that it's H-E-A-R, okay? So I want to encourage you, grab a pen as well. There should be a pen out there in front of you, and we're going to use this as our journal over the next few minutes. So where we begin is we've got our passage and we've got our journal. We just want to begin by silently on our own asking God to come and speak to us, believing in faith that he wants to do this, that in Psalm 19 it says that his words are true and that they renew our lives, that he wants to speak to us. So I just want to give you a moment to invite God to speak to you. And then what you're going to do in the moments of silence while the music plays, you're just going to read that little passage slowly two times, okay? So go ahead and do that on your own. there on the little card stands for highlight, so I want to encourage you now to read back through that little passage one more time really slowly, and then find a word or a little phrase or one of the verses that shimmers to you or stands out to you, and know that that's likely God the Holy Spirit showing up to you in this moment, inviting you to meditate on that. You're going to take that and you're going to write it next to the H. I'll give you a couple minutes to do that.
E is for explain. And so right now, let's take a couple minutes and explain it in your own words. Um, you might paraphrase the, the word, or the verse, the phrase. Um, you can look at the context of this a little bit. And just write down a sentence or two of explanation. What is, what is Jesus trying to say? Explain that. for apply. This is where you're going to apply it to your life. This is where we begin to build the bridge from the world of the Bible, from the world of Jesus to the world that you inhabit. One of the questions you can ask and apply is, what's going on in my life? What's going on in your life that God might have you focused on that right now? Um, Is there anything that God wants you to do? Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise to claim and live into? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a principle to follow? I want to give you a minute or two just to build that bridge. Why might God be talking to me about that today? Finally, R stands for response. We want to, next to the R, we want to write down an actionable response. We want to not only be hearers of God's word, we want to be doers of God's word. And so sit, and you may ask God for help in these moments. Man, God, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want this to impact how I live this afternoon? You want me to have a conversation with somebody? You want me to not do something? You want me to do something? How do you want me to respond? to your word and what you're saying in my real life.
Let's go ahead and stand together as we continue to respond to God during this time. And I trust that God has spoken to you through that time. And I pray that it's just a picture, a glimpse of what um, your time daily coming to the Lord, asking for him to speak to you through his work can look like. Um, I pray that you would take this time and even tomorrow morning as you uh, go to him, you give your time to him and you ask him to speak. So consider that daily as you come before him in his word. I'm not coming before him to try to gain his approval. I'm not coming before him uh, to make him love me more. Uh, you already have the full love of the Father as you come before him. And you allow that then to lead you and lead us to come and sit at his feet and listen to his word. And so as we continue, I just want to read uh, from Matthew 11, verse 28, the, the scripture that we just spent our time in. I want to read that over us again as we come before the Lord and allow it to lead the rest of our time together. Just receive this from God. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, that is why we desire to come before you and be people that listen to your voice. Because we desire refuge in you that only you can provide and only your word and your voice in our lives can provide. We just say that collectively together that as we leave this space later and we come before you tomorrow and we give our time to you, God, May refuge and rest and security be what fuels us and leads us to come and to listen to your voice. We love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to respond to him together. Maybe the things that he revealed to you during that time are just on your heart and your mind right now. And allow, uh, allow those things to fuel your worship of him as we sing to him together. Let's sing this.
trust in your power, Jesus. We submit ourselves over to you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys can remain standing. This is the time in our service where we reflect on God's generosity towards us and respond to him in generosity. And I know you guys are so tired of hearing about this, but I have a celebration to share. Um, as you guys know, if you were here last week, we celebrated that our Christmas missions offering came in just over $96,000. And a couple of you didn't like that number and stepped in to close the gap this week. And so we ended at $100,000 for our, yes. And so I just wanna say again, thank you to you all, church family, for uh, just responding to what God is doing in your lives and responding in generosity. And I just also want to highlight something that may seem simple, but uh, your giving and your generosity goes to support uh, not only missions, but just our life as a church here. Uh, and I want to highlight that we're sitting in a warm building this morning. Um, we have a permanent space that is warm. Last week it was cold. Uh, and because of your generosity, we're able to have the stability of a permanent space and funds to fix a broken boiler system. Uh, and that may seem small, but is a huge, huge deal to have a permanent space here on East Colfax. And so thank you to you all for your generosity. And I want to invite you, if you are a regular attender, a member of the Heights, uh, to just reflect on that as we give right now. If you're a first-time guest with us, do not feel compelled to give. We hope this service is a gift to you. But um, let's go ahead and respond to God um, and give back to him as he has given to us so generously. Let's continue to respond to him together in singing. This is a familiar song to us, Be Thou My Vision. We have an opportunity uh, to sing a refrain during this song that is new to us. And I just want to cheat it to you guys. Uh, so we have the opportunity as a family to sing it loudly together and celebrate uh, God, the creator, accepting us, calling us his own. It goes like this.
come together collectively and we recognize our identity as chosen daughters and sons because of Jesus. God, may that lead us to come before you and sit at your feet and listen to your voice. And may it change our days and change our lives. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat real quick. Um, hey, guys. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at the Heights. I have got uh, three really quick promise there'll be really quick announcements, and then we're going to send you guys out of here. Um, you have heard us talking a lot lately about community groups. Um, we believe that community groups are one of the most important things that we do here at the Heights. They are the way that we move from doing life on our own to doing life together, which I know you guys feel this is really, really important in a place uh, like Denver. And so uh, we want to invite you in to try one of those groups if you've never done that before. Um, we know this. We know that sometimes showing up to a group where you don't know people can be kind of intimidating. Uh, sometimes uh, you guys have probably had this experience before. You show up, and it feels like, man, all these people know each other. I don't know any of these people. Who are these people? Um, well, we're especially excited right now to be launching three brand-new community groups this month. And so... Uh, those groups are going to be in South Denver. There's going to be one that's going to be centrally located. There's one that we don't know where it's going to meet yet because we still need a host family um, for that group. And so maybe you're out there and you're like, man, this sounds awesome, but I don't really want to go anywhere. You could have this at your house, all right? So um, if you are not currently in a group in the Heights, we want to make this as easy as we can. We're going to have a lunch next Sunday right after the service, about 30, 40 minutes right after the service, right down here, we're going to have a lunch. You can show up. You can meet other people who are in the exact same place that you are that don't know anybody and are not totally sure about this. Um, and you can meet some of the leaders of those groups, find out more, and see if that is something that you would be interested in. Uh, for more details on that, to RSVP, which would be super helpful, not required, but super helpful, go to the heightsdenver.com forward slash events. The reason it would be super helpful is we're giving you guys free lunch, all right? And so that'll help us to know how many people to plan for that, all right? So the second thing, also next Sunday, January 30th, um, at 5 or 5.30? 5. At 5 o'clock, right here, we're doing a vision and prayer night. This is a time for us to come together uh, as a church family and talk about what God has been doing in us over the last year, what he's doing now, and where he is leading us. The last time uh, we did this, um, it was just a, just a powerful time of being together and seeking God's face together. We saw God move in some particular ways that, in fact, I was still having conversations about this week. And so I'm excited to see what God has for us um, as we come together next Sunday night. We would love for you guys to join us. There is child care uh, if you have kids. And then lastly, do not forget... If you're new, Starting Point is happening right down front, right after the service. Um, and so that's your chance, 10 minutes, to find out more about the Heights and get connected to some people. All right? All right. Here is our benediction. This is a blessing for the road. You guys, please stand for this. You can uh, open your hands in a posture of receiving if you want. This is Psalm 19, verses 8 and 9. It says this. The precepts of the Lord are right making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. 
the ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. Heights family, you are sent. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Oh, nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. 